Good morning. Where did, where did Tim Remo go? He was my bumper. Oh, well, I, I have a backup bumper just, just in case. The uh, reason I wanted to bring up Tim Remo is that uh, 30 years ago, I was an elder at Forest Park Baptist Church, and the Remo family was there. And my wife, Julie, and I were leading the Remo kids in Awana and moved forward 30 years. This has got to be a Lord thing, God thing. Move forward 30 years. Uh, Tim Remo's leading in music, and I'm bringing the message that God has for us. And I was just sitting there realizing that it just seems like 30 years ago. It went by, by quick. It just seems like 30 years ago I was uh, teaching the Remo kids, and Julie was teaching Remo kids uh, Awana verses. Um, I do have a couple of quick messages. Don't worry, I have, a bump, uh, I have a backup bumper just in case he wasn't here. Normally people wait till I start preaching before they head for the doors, but uh, I guess he's heard me preach before, but that's okay. Um, yes, a couple of quick messages. One is uh, we're doing three things this fall. One is a new evangelism training course. Now, this evangelism training course is so simple, so easy, a dog with a note in its mouth can do it, okay? Because the numbers really weren't so great during EE, so we're going to try to change it up. It's, it's an awesome program through Alex Begg, and you can do it online at your own pace. We're also going to have a Sunday school class. It's going to be a 12-week program, and it's, it's phenomenal. It is a great 12-week training program. Anybody and everybody can take it. All the materials online, you can download it, and it's also free, so the price is right. Okay, speaking of free, as you know, we also did Faith Bible Institute. I'm going to talk about that a little in our message. I've researched, and there's also a lot more available out there to study the Bible, God's Word, learn more about God's Word, which we're going to cover this morning. One of them is um, Cedarville University has a free course. Again, it's free, so the price is right. And it's also at your own pace. So once again, a dog with a note in his mouth can do it. And it's on, uh, the one this coming fall is on the Old Testament. After you finish all the courses, you actually get a minor in Bible, an actual certificate minor in Bible. So it's free, you can do it at your own course, but what an amazing thing is we as a congregation do these both together, both the evangelism training program and the free Cedarville course as well. Uh, The third thing is you know, last December, we went to Kentucky just before Christmas. I contacted Score International. Score International specializes in very short-term mission trips, four, five, six, seven days. They have two that they would like us to participate in this coming fall. One is November, right up the road in Pennsylvania. That's a couple hours away. About the time it takes four elders to play nine holes of golf, we can go up to Pennsylvania. Uh, and then the other one is going back to Kentucky in, in December. So pray about that. There'll be more to come in those three messages. Um, I always start out with a book. I'm famous for my books recommending, maybe not the message, but I'm famous for the books. I came across this one after Barry's awesome message last week. I said, you know, after uh, hearing the, uh, the video there at the end, I had just the book that I wanted to recommend. This one is No Reason to Hide. It's by Erwin Lutzer. For those of you that aren't familiar with Erwin Lutzer, he was a longtime uh, pastor at uh, Moody Church in Chicago. He's now retired from that position, but he's an awesome writer. And it says, standing for Christ in a collapsing culture. A call to believers to stand firm in today's oppressed world. No reason to hide is a rallying reminder that we're ready Christians everywhere to have the courage to proclaim scripture truth to a culture 
in desperate need of what only God can offer. And believe me, this is also tied into our message this morning. Uh, a lot of my message this morning also tied into what Barry said because Psalm 19 is also tied into Psalm uh, 119. So I also start off with a famous quote. I came across this quote and I said, that's, that's the quote. I think this is one of the most famous, or not famous, but meaningful quotes outside scripture, that is, in our lifetime and what we're dealing with now in our culture. And the quote is this. People aren't working at work. Students aren't going to class. Students aren't studying. It seems like overnight, everyone has become addicted. So let me read that again, then you'll realize why it's tied into the message. People aren't going to work. Students aren't going to class. Students aren't studying. It seems like overnight, everyone has become addicted. This quote appeared on Stanford University in the Stanford University newspaper in 2004. Now, for those of you that might have saw the movie about this, in 2004, what was launched? It was called a new, brand new business called the Facebook, and social media was launched. And as you can tell by that quote, uh, people immediately became addicted to it. Speaking of San Francisco, coming across, preparing my message, I came across something that uh, Stanford University was just ranked the number one university in the world. And I dealt further, how in the world did they become, I mean, I know they're always up there, but how in the world could some one university become the number one university in the world? And it's how they become the number one university in the world, or at least in this ranking system, it said, because of what professors wrote in publications. So think that for a minute. What mankind put down on paper got them the number one ranking. What mankind put down on paper got them a number one ranking. Let's turn to Psalms 19, verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. There's a message right there. There's a lot of sermons in this. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold. Yes, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned. And in keeping them, there is great reward. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse me from secret faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins, sins with an S. Let them not have dominion over me, then I shall be blameless, amen. Then I shall be blameless and I shall be innocent of great transgressions. Let thy word of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be accepted in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Let's pray. Dear Gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, the few minutes that we have this morning to dig deep 
into the basic of your word, what your word says, not what the culture says, but what your word says. For we know that if we are walking with the culture, we are not walking with your word. Lord, open our eyes, open our mind, open our hearts. And in areas that are blinded, whether we're already followers of Jesus Christ or need to accept Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, Lord, in areas of darkness, Lord, may we see anew, see afresh. And Lord, if there is anyone here this morning that has not accepted Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, may this morning be the hour of salvation for them. Lord, we just give this message to you in a powerful way. In Jesus' name, amen. So if someone were to ask you, what is the church's most important ministry? What would you say? I think that's an important question. You know, if you were talking to a first-time visitor here, what's the most important ministry at this church? Or if you were talking to a family member or a new neighbor that just moved in, well, okay, you claim to be a Christian, what's the most important ministry? Uh, good thing I had a backup bumper. Uh, there's a famous video of Vince Lombardi before his players. Vince Lombardi was a Super Bowl coach for the Green Bay Packers. And there's a famous video that's been played over and over again of him talking to his players the very first minute of practice before they start the season. And for those of you that have seen the video, it's black and white NFL films. He's wearing a white T-shirt. And again, I think it's like 61 or somewhere around there. And he holds up a football before people that have played football their entire lives and have made it all the way to the NFL as Super Bowl champions. He holds up a football. And does anyone know what he says? This is a football. This is a football. Really? But the reason he did that is because he, want, he knew what it took to be a champion. He wanted the entire Green Bay Packer organization to focus on one thing and one thing only. And that's it, nothing else, just that one thing. Well, God here this morning is telling each and every single one of us, this is my holy scripture. This is the word of God. This is the Bible. So I've entitled this message this morning, God's Own Defense of Scripture. I originally entitled it, How Does God Defend Scripture? But then I like, God's own defense of scripture. The church's, here comes the answer to the question, by the way. The church's most important ministry is our commitment to the word of God. Always has been and always will be. So how are we doing as a church as a whole in 2023 America? The battle of truthfulness of the word of God we are battling not only to proclaim God's word and the truthfulness of God's word, we're also battling for priority of God's word. That's why I started with social media. I was going somewhere with that. And the centrality of God's word. And also, how are we doing with all this each and every day of our lives and each and every contact person that we come in contact with? So here's my most important statement right out of the gate of the day, of this morning. 
the Bible, the Word of God, of the one true and living God, is the truth and the only source of truth that convicts sins, warns of judgment, saves the sinner, purifies, cleans, matures the believers, and given the only hope for eternal glory. Amen? Only the Word of God. You're not going to find it anywhere else. And because it is revelation from God, by God, which God does his own work in his own everlasting glory, it is the priority of not only the church as a whole, but each and every single believer as well. Of course, the Bible is always under attack. It's always under assault by Satan, his demons, and people in the kingdom of darkness. Attacks of the Bible have never ceased. They've only accumulated through the years. Through the years, we've gone through battles, all of these kinds of issues. Remember the battle of the inerrancy? That was a battle, a heavy battle, fought long and hard for many, many decades here in America. Like the issue of inerrancy. Is the Bible inerrant? That is, it's original autograph without error in all that it says, in all that it affirms. Uh, that battle actually lost a 10-year effort by the International Council of Biblical Inerrancy to defend the inerrancy of the Scripture and thus the authority of Scripture down to every inspired word written in Scripture. What the Bible even says and what I will have to say this morning, every jot and tittle. Now, if you all don't know what a jot and tittle is in our English language today, just think of a dot of an I or, or a dot of a J, the absolute smallest of small, uh, too, as well. They're actually referring to a hook at the end of the L there. Um, that was the inerrancy of Scripture attack. Then came the revelation attack. That... People didn't believe that the Bible had all the revelation, that there was more to come, more revelation to come. That was huge in the charismatic movement. Then there was the inner voice movement. You had to listen to all these inner voices. Now, of course, this is totally apart and separate from Scripture. Now the attack of clarity of Scripture is coming from all the emerging churches in all the liberal churches. As an elder, getting the applications for those that apply for the elder slash pastor role, um, again, it, it, it doesn't surprise me, but it does surprise me just how many liberal pastors there are out there in, their, in everything. I mean, uh, one of the questions that is asked is, uh, what authors do you like? What authors do you read? And some of them have put down total far-left, new-age <laughs> authors as their favorite authors. You know, next. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, you know, and the emerging church and these liberal pastors uh, tell us that, trying to tell us that the Bible isn't clear on anything anymore. Uh, and also we have to be open-minded we have to embrace uh, that, that anybody and everybody can have their own opinion, that the Bible isn't right, 
And all emergent churches are teaching whatever they're teaching at the time is right. Uh, because after all, we really just can't be sure about anything and we really can't be sure about the inerrancy of Scripture. Now, even as a brand new believer 51 years ago at age 12, that's one of the first things I understood because if I can believe Jesus Christ to take me from hell into heaven, what word of this Bible shouldn't I believe? You know, I, I love the, I'm almost sure, I'm not positive, but I'm almost 100% positive of the testimony of a woman named Corey Timboom when she was asked, well, Corey, let's say you're wrong in your belief and your faith and accepting Jesus Christ and trusting in him and him alone for eternal salvation. What if you're wrong and you lose out and you do end up in hell? And I love her response. She said, well, just pretend, let's say that that does happen. God would have much more to lose than me because I am basing my truth and my faith on what God's word says. So God would lose more than me. And that's, that's my faith. That should be your faith in totally trusting in Scripture and Scripture alone. Um, but again, so maybe you're here this morning and you don't know what an emerging church is. I was going to go down the list of the emerging church but in, in all their error and false teaching, but instead I'm, I'm going to go the opposite direction in, in the time that we have and, and help you with the, what I call the um, secret service story. I had a brother. He's passed away now. He was a special agent. And uh, from time to time as a special agent, he would have to help out with secret service in uh, security detail of the president, vice president. And then he got stationed in Washington, D.C., and even had to help out with the Secret Service even more. And he would tell me that the Secret Service agents, in trying to find counterfeit bills, they don't even show the Secret Service agents anything about counterfeit bills at all. Because what they do is they have them focus on one thing and one thing only, and that's the original, genuine U.S.-made bill and currency. They have the feel, the texture, the look, the color, the writings, everything that has to do with that bill. They know it inside and out. And in preparing this message, it's like, why do you think they do that? So therefore, instantly, the very second a counterfeit hits their hand, they know. And that's what God has for us this morning for us to study the Bible, study Scripture, get in deep, learn what it says, so that way when a counterfeit does come across, folks, we know instantly. Um, just a brief second, we currently had that in our, in our media and culture here recently where we had a preacher false preaching, a false translation, a false message over and over again to anyone who would listen because he was on his way out to retire and he wanted every... Christian in church to uh, uh, know his name going out. And he quoted this verse, and I knew right away it was a false uh, quote, but I looked it up and I also looked up what other pastors had to say to it, like Alex Trebek and so forth. And uh, sure enough, it was not only was it a misquote, it was also 180 degree opposite of what he was quoting and preaching. And as an example, he was quoting that uh, this person was a pastor just because they invited people into their home. 
Well, if you know anything about church history, you know that 100% at this point in time, 100% of all churches were in homes. 100% of them, okay? Uh, There was no separate church building until the third century, really not until the fourth century. So does that mean that every single host that invites someone into their home is automatically an ordained pastor? Oh, of course not. But that's what this person was trying to sell to us. So that's what I'm saying as an example. When you have some teaching that comes across, you need to know the Word of God so you know instantly whether or not it's true or not. And that brings us to the battle of sufficiency of Scripture, which is what a lot of pastors that talk about Psalm 19, that's what they talk about, is sufficiency of Scripture. That Scripture is sufficient of itself. In other words, God defends His Word of God with His Word, and we don't need to go any further than that. We really don't. It's all about God's Word and God's Scripture. And most of these texts come from people who call themselves Christian, liberal pastors, liberal theologians, liberal speakers, um, and authors, all claiming to represent God while attacking Scripture, attacking Scripture's, the inspiration, the inerrancy, the history, the canonicity, the clarity, and the power of Scripture. So, of course, above all, the sufficiency of Scripture. And so we're always going and need to go back and defend Scripture with Scripture alone. How do we do that? Well, there's two ways we can defend Scripture. One way, which is, I think, the wrong way, but it's done a lot, is defend Scripture outside of Scripture. Well, that only takes you down a rabbit trail of human reasoning. Uh, The best way and the only way is to let Scripture defend Scripture. Let Scripture by its own ultimate defend and call what is called presuppositional. I threw that word out there to keep the elders awake. Presuppositional approach, which only means you presuppose the truthfulness of Scripture, and it's that simple. Adding also the presuppose of also the power of Scripture as well. And one thing that is covered in, in throughout Psalms, uh, we've had numerous pastors, numerous elders talk about the power of the Word of God as well. So last week, Elder Barry challenged us to read Psalm 119, the 167 verses of Psalm 119, as it's also built around the same theme as Psalm 19, 19 and 119 go together. Um, And I'm going to cover a few verses here in, in 119. But the other thing, too, is that I'm a huge history buff. Well, I'm a huge accurate history buff. And I'm going to try to get through the story without getting emotional because us Pipers are emotional people. But uh, in taking uh, Faith Bible Institute, Faith Bible Institute has an unbelievable collection of anything and everything when it comes to the Bible. It's kind of like the uh, place in downtown D.C. uh, in miniature. I mean, it's I tell people, I think he has the apple that Eve ate from. 
you know, I mean, he, his collection is unbelievable. I think he might even have the key that uh, Noah used on the ark. Uh, but one of the things that he has, which really shook me, is he has a really, really big Bible. And this Bible comes from the 16th century. And in the 16th century, what was called the Bloody Mary history of the church, where they would take Christians, tie them to the stake, slit their wrist, let their blood bleed into a bowl, and then take a Bible and put it in the bowl. And then they would burn Christians at, at the stake. And Faith Bible Institute had one of these rare, rare Bibles that was totally saturated in someone's blood from the 17th century, from the Bloody Mary era. You know, we sing these songs and we come to church about, you know, I'll take a stand, I'll live for Jesus. You know, I'm going to go his way only. I'm going to dedicate my life to Jesus. But imagine being a Christian in the 16th century, and you're seeing Christians during the Bloody Mary era at the stake, having their wrist slit open, putting a bowl under their wrist, having their blood go into the bowl, and then taking their Bible and having it filled with blood. You know, are we willing to sacrifice that much for the cause of Jesus Christ? Sobering thought. And like I said, it, it moved me when I saw that Bible. Understanding the price that was paid for that Bible was a very moving experience for me. And I'll never forget it. This book has been, must be treated with the greatest amount of not only respect, but the book also must be treated as though it is God-breathed. One of my former pastors, Pastor Steve Lane, would go on the mission field and hand out Bibles in uh, Soviet bloc countries. Back then it was like Yugoslavia and stuff. And they always, always ran out of Bibles. And he said it would break his heart as soon as he ran out of Bibles in Soviet bloc countries people would go away crying that didn't get a Bible. You know, and here in America, we take it for granted. We have far too many false preachers and false teachers that also teach their own personalities, popularity, gang ego for their own glory. So now that we know what's the purpose of the church, what I want to do is read Psalm 19, 7 again, and this time realizing that the number one purpose of the church is God's word in Scripture. Let me read Psalm 19 again, starting verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgment of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired they are than gold, ye much fine gold. 
Sweeter also is the honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned. And in keeping them there is great reward. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse me from secret faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless, and I shall be innocent of great transgressions. Let the word of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to your sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. The law of the Lord, Scripture, is sufficient. It has totally transformed any person at any time. Amen. As an evangelist and having a heart of evangelism, again, I have the gift of evangelism. I know I got that gift the second I was saved because I was immediately out trying to win my friends at age 12. So it's from the Lord, not me. But, uh, you know, every once in a while, the sin of my flesh gets in me. Oh, you know, they don't want to hear the gospel. Oh, no, they're a close friend of mine. I can't share the gospel with them. Oh, they're a co-worker. I can't share the gospel with them. And then I share the gospel with them. And even though they might not get saved right then and there, sometimes they do, sometimes they don't, but the seed was planted. Uh, they got, start going to church, and, and, and uh, sometimes in God's timing they get saved uh, too as well. Um, and also the sacredness of God's scripture. First Timothy 3.15 says, And that from childhood you have known the holy scripture, which are able what to make wise for salvation through the faith which is in Christ Jesus. 1 Timothy 1.23, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but by incorruptible seed, by the word of God, you are regenerated. Have you ever been regenerated? Do you know that you know that you know that you've been regenerated? Born again, have you been born again? Do you know that you know that you know without a shadow of a doubt that you've been born again? Given life, do you know that you have a new life in Christ Jesus? By the word of God, which lives and abides forever. Amen? And there's also the word that which the gospel is preached to you. That the, like the Apostle Paul said in Romans 1, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. In the 16th century, during the Bloody Mary era, those that went to the stake and had their wrists slit and had their Bible covered in their own blood, Obviously, they were not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For it is the what? Power. Unto what? Salvation. Yes, it gives life, but it also gives a powerful new life. You know, I was, believe it or not, my family would tell you, up until age 12, I was actually pretty shy. Believe it or not, it wasn't until I accepted Jesus Christ that I came out of my shell. And I mean, it was literally overnight, uh, boldly started uh, uh, speaking out about Jesus and, and boldly uh, becoming, uh, you know, however God wanted to use me. Uh, but I was extremely shy up until that point. Uh, so that's just, that's just one area that the, the Lord decided to change me for his honor and glory. Um, whoever will call upon the name of the Lord shall be what? Amen. And uh, his Holy Spirit shall there call upon him whom they haven't believed. How shall they call upon them who they haven't heard? And, shall, and how shall they hear without a preacher or teacher? 
So um, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring glad tidings of good things. Now, I know we're in, in Romans 10. You're saying, I thought we were going to be in, in Psalms. Well, I'm telling you right now, in, in Romans 10, this is where the, the Holy Spirit took me this week because, again, we're going on two missions trips, uh, one in November to Pennsylvania and one in December to uh, Kentucky. The one in November is a very simple, easy one. It's short term, just a couple days, right up the road to Pennsylvania. They already have a mission team in place. Um, so that's, that's a super easy one. Uh, and then also we're going back to Kentucky like, like we did last year. Um, so you're either a missionary or a mission field. Uh, which one are you this morning? In other words, if you don't have Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you're a mission field. If you do have Jesus Christ, as, if you know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you're a missionary. Because guess what? Somebody has to go. Somebody has to go and tell them the truth. Again, in Romans 10, because faith and faith that saves comes from hearing and hearing by what? The word of Christ. There's only one way to be saved, and that's to believe in the true gospel. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. The only way you can believe on the truth is to hear the truth. And the only way you can hear the truth is for someone to declare the truth. And again, this is a me thing. Um, I'm not a big fan of the always and every time love, love, love messages. Um, I think it actually hurts the Christian cause um, because I look at it this way. If you love someone, you tell them the truth. You tell them the full gospel. That's why in the EE outline, it's, it's five steps. I, I like a lot of times it's me then the situation and who I'm talking to. I like starting with the second step first because the second step is man is a sinner, cannot save himself. You know, or I like going right to what I call the uh, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, what I call the pickup truck verse. Four by. Four by grace. Y'all get that going home. <laughs> Four by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So again, where's the only place to find the gospel truth? It's in God's word. And let scripture be, here we go, let scripture be powerful enough because it always is and always will be. It is the power of God unto salvation. It is a powerful enough. But is it really? You know, in EE training over the years, I've trained some very, very slick salespeople. And they had to, and I had to, disciple them. It's not about you. You know, um, as I have a saying, a dog with a note in its mouth could hand somebody a gospel tract and they get saved. Uh, it is the power of scripture. If there's one thing we need to leave this morning is to realize the awesome power of scripture and the awesome power of the gospel. It, is it powerful enough to come here every single week and just hear God's word? Are we truly maximizing that power just coming here and hearing. Does the word of God have saving power of God in it? Well, according to scripture, it does. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. Amen? So let me ask you this. Does scripture need any help? Does the word of God need to be helped? Does it need to be helped along in somehow... Um, 
inept, irrelevant, antiquated, totally changed message? Do we need to somehow package it in some new age, modern, cultural sensitive way to make it feel and look like the culture? Again, if you're walking with the culture, you're not working with scripture. You're not walking with scripture. Uh, just to gain an entrance into our permission to share the gospel. Personally, I don't, I don't think so. I think, again, God's word will not go away void. So just bring forth God's word. Because I'm telling you, I've experienced too many times, God's word will not go away void. Not my word, but God's words. Um, the testimony of God is unmistakably clear. The word itself, and I think this has been said before from the pulpit here, uh, this quote, the word itself is the sea where Christ the pearl rests. The word itself is the field where Christ the true treasure is hidden. So listen to the testimony in, in the Psalm of 119. Uh, relates again the same concerning words of God. Verse 41, may thy love and kindness also come to me, O Lord. Thou salvation according to thy word. Verse 50 in Psalm 119. This is my comfort and my affection, that thy word has literally given me life. Verse 81. My soul longest for thy salvation. I wait for thy word. Again, thy word is linked to salvation. I cry to thee. Verse 46. Save me. I shall keep my testimonies. Verse 155. Salvation is far from the wicked, for they do not seek thy statutes. Salvation comes through the word, and I long for thy salvation. Verse 174. O Lord, thy law is my delight. So in closing, again, I've been a Christian for 51 years. And in closing, I've heard this statement come across many, many times. That blank, that blank is the church's watershed moment. And I'll let you fill in the blank in 2023 America, because we hear that all, all the time on Christian radio, Christian messages, uh, pastors, that blank is a church's watershed moment. And again, we can all fill in many, many blanks of what we think in our culture today is the church's watershed moment. But the simple message that we covered this morning in Scripture is, I think, what the church's watershed moment has been and always will be. Is the church going to unashamedly and boldly and powerfully proclaim God's word and God's word alone? Or is it going to go by the way of the culture like so many churches have, like so many preachers have. That's the decision. You know, um, when uh, I've been a deacon or elder trustees at other, other churches, and um, I haven't had to tell it here because, oh, let me tell you something. The elders that this church have, I think, have more Bible knowledge by far. In fact, I don't think I know, have more Bible knowledge than by far that any church I've been associated with. I mean, I, I go to the elder meetings and I, I just sit there and don't say a word. You know, I, I just let those that have incredible Bible knowledge 
uh, and scripture knowledge uh, disciple me and I feed off of them. Uh, and again, I've never been to a church like that that have so many people that have been to Bible college, so many men that have been to Bible college, been to seminary, and they're now using that for the honor and glory of God as well. But the watershed moment for the church always has been and always will be is, is the church going to abide by this word and this word alone, no matter how we are attacked? You know, I know some pastors that jokingly say, flippantly say, you know, when the government starts rounding up Christians and arresting them, I'm going to be disappointed if I'm not the first one. You know, uh, we're not there yet, but we have to live our lives as though we are not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Dear Gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your scripture is enough. Your scripture is sufficient. Lord, we thank you that your word will not go away void. Lord, finish this message in our hearts. And Lord, again, if there's anyone here that doesn't know Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, will they realize that it's as simple as saying, I realize now before God that I'm a sinner and that I cannot save myself. Lord, come into my heart and save me. And Lord, if there's anyone here this morning that has prayed that prayer, Lord, may they come up and talk to us. And Lord, for those of us that do claim Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, may we go out to a lost and dying world, to our Judea, Samaria, and other most parts of the earth, uh, boldly and unashamedly proclaiming your word. In Jesus' name, amen.